When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stink Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. Hey, do me a favor. I always do this in the podcast. I'm going to do it at the beginning now. Um, click the subscribe button. Uh, share with your friends. Only if you like it. If you don't like it, don't tell anybody. Um, but make sure you subscribe and uh, and help us out. Help us grow the podcast. Uh, Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. This is it. Super this Bowl is, week is oh, upon us. Yeah, teams arrived today. Boom. What's there, Super Bowl? Today? What's Super? What's Super Bowl week like at the beginning of the week? Like we'll we'll get into the the matchup Ooh. later in the week. But yeah, yeah, yeah What yeah. is the beginning of the week like? Um, it's cool. Like the first couple of days because your family's not there yet. So the the teams will charter a jet for your families probably on Wednesday. They'll come into the Super Bowl site Wednesday or Thursday. So the first couple of days, you're just sequestered with your dudes, right? With your guys. And, you know, Monday is one of those days where you don't, where you're not practicing, right? So you might have, um, you might have on Monday, like you've got some, some meetings and things of that nature. And then a lot of times what we'll do is we'll find Monday night a place to go like for a, um, for a Super Bowl dinner for your position group dinners. So you all go out and, uh, you know, you'll find a, a great place and you all just go out and have a great meal together. Um, well, like I remember my, my last year, my last Super Bowl was Super Bowl 33. Um, and, uh, we went to, we were in Miami. So we went to Joe's stone crab and we got this, we got a big table. It was a whole offensive line, our offensive line coach. And I, was bestowed the honor of reading what we used to call the sacred scriptures. So this, I still have the sacred scriptures, the state, the sacred scriptures. Um, we had a guy by the name of Casey Jones on our team and Casey, his job during the meetings was to keep a notebook of all the ridiculous things <laughs> that our offensive line coach or anybody else in the meeting room would say. And our offensive line coach was legendary. Alex Gibbs. Alex Gibbs. Yep. Legend, he's a legendary offensive yeah. line coach. But legendary for saying things that were, well, that you can't repeat anywhere in America. Right. Especially today. Like then, <laughs> back in 98, they were like, Cringy. oh, my God, you can't say that, right? <laughs> yes. But today, you would instantly be canceled. I'm trying to think of some things that I could actually share with you. Um, like he would say things like just out of the blue. Like I, where does this come from? Like one of the references he used to say all the time was, uh, that guy's luckier than a two-dick dog. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like, that would be one of the things. You can imagine how lucky that dog is, That's right? a lucky dog. I mean, how much licking are you doing? Like, so he would, but they would just be absolutely asinine things that he would get, like, 
so politically incorrect on just about every occasion. So we would gather around, and you would read the sacred scriptures, and you, we would just laugh because they were so they were so like we have a private room, right? right. You can't you can't read them in public, right? <laughs> but you would you would laugh and you would reminisce about when it was said, and uh, and you know what the what the the context was, and it it would just be it would just be some of the greatest stuff. Ever. Because it's important, right? Because it's a long week, right? And, and yeah. there's a lot of pressure that builds up over the course of the week. So to try to maintain a routine and right. maintain some normalcy and have some fun, yeah, in the in the middle of all this is is crucial. Yeah, it it is, and so that would be like Monday, and plus you have. Like you have mandatory media sessions and everything else. Mm -hmm. Then Tuesday, you would get up and Tuesday was kind of quote unquote the day off, but you would go to the the Super Bowl site, the stadium, and you would take team photos. And then you would have, you know, to and you have media day as well. So then the whole media is there and you'd be you take your team photos and then, you know, you have the the really prominent guys would have podiums. Like there would be ten podiums. You know, so for us, you know, it'd be Elway at a podium. Terrell Davis at a podium, Shannon Sharp at a podium, maybe a Bill Romanowski at a podium. Like, Bless you. so you would have these guys in the podium, and then the rest of us would be like sitting in the stands. Like, but this was always fun for for guys like guys like us because you guys wouldn't talk yeah, to the media. None of you guys really wanted to talk to us anyhow. Like, but you would have to talk though. I know, but it would be like one question, you know, and then you're like, okay, well, I don't really want to talk to these guys anyhow. But you know, one of the things we we did all the time, like we're taking the Super Bowl pictures, and there was enough, you know, kind of what we call seagulls, you know, there's just seagulls or like the the corporate sponsors and stuff, the guys that just kind of seagulls, flock. yes, okay, they flock around, they flock around, okay, they just flock around, so <laughs> seagulls. So, I've never heard that term. Oh yeah, I'm steal Look at folks. Feel free to steal yeah. that one because I'm so, sure you deal with some seagulls. Yeah, all the seagulls that just kind of yeah. glom onto yeah. the team and act like they're part of it, you know, and they really don't have any function. So one of the things we used to do all the time, so we stand around waiting to take pictures and stuff, and you'd see a group of seagulls, and so you act like you're playing catch, right? And you'd run like you'd start jogging by them, and they're not paying attention. You go, whoa, whoa, watch out! <laughs> You watch, ah, they all freak, they all freak out, and you go, you, you guys are idiots, you. And let me guess, you came up with this. Well, I mean, you were I, usually the, the ring. You were kind of the ringleader for well, all we, these we pranks. A, yeah, and stuff. we did a lot of stupid uh, things. Yeah, but just yeah, so yeah. that was a that was like a fun okay. day, and then, um, and then ultimately, you know, ultimately, you know, you're you're. Your Wednesday and your like your your stuff during the week is kind of you're more honed in, but I don't even know. Now you guys put the game plan in, so there's, before there's, you even is, is so the work's of, done before you right, come out. Right, two trains of thought. My my time with Mike Shanahan in Denver, we put the game plan in the week before and practice it. Right, and so then when we got to the Super Bowl site, then it was just about you know like really dialing in and cutting out. Uh, a bunch of reps and trying to get through practice as fast as we could. Um, when I was with Washington and and Joe Gibbs, we didn't game plan the first week. We just practiced. So it went back to almost like training camp type okay. of practices. And then, because he wanted to be, the game plan to be fresh and not repetitive and not, 
redundant because he wanted us to have to be locked in mentally on, hey, we got to get ready to play this game. So two trains of thought. Which way is better, you think? Um, and and how is it done mostly today? I think it? it would probably done more like the way Mike Shanahan put right. it in. Um, but but anyhow, I like – it, Although it the matter to me, I want them all. So I, I, what, what do yeah, I care? So like, I, yeah, we but do the it anyway. way, wasn't there a great John Madden story? Yeah. About this yeah. is a good one. I love this story. So we are we're in Minnesota for the Super Bowl. And, you know, it just was it was just came out on I think ESPN.com. They rated all the all the Super Bowls mm-hmm. and the history of, of Super Bowls, which teams were the best teams. And so yours truly was on three teams that were two top 10 teams and three top 19 teams. And the number one team rated overall was a 91 Redskins. Um, and it has to do with, you know, the, the Skins, I think they're the only Super Bowl team in history to have a top five defense, top five offense, top, top five special teams rated and some DVOA or some crap. And I created this, um, this boo rating, your balls over your opponent. So you got to have balls over your opponent. We had much bigger balls. But we're practicing on a Thursday. And it's like Joe Gibbs believed in being quick and, and you know, on and off the field. But it was a scrimmage. And we were in full pads, and we were beating the living piss out of one another. And John Madden was at practice with Pat Summerall. And they're standing around, and um, – and Joe, like, we're killing each other. Like, this is a full tilt scrimmage. I Thursday mean, is, before the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. We are just hunting. I mean, it is. You run on, you run a counter, man. It's full go. You're, you're tagging in a line of scrimmage. That guy's trying to, that guy's trying to wrong shoulder. You know, I mean, it's full go. It's full contact. And um, we're literally, I mean, we're literally beating the piss out of one another. And Joe, Joe's like, I got it. Like I got to call practice. We're gonna kill each other, and um, and John Madden happened to be standing there. And John says to Joe, he goes, he goes, uh, you guys are absolutely gonna destroy the Bills. Like you're gonna destroy the Bills. And you know he'd been to, I think he'd been to both practices, right. right? And just the way we went about our business versus the way they were going about their business. And there's two trains of thought, you know, what you want to do, fresh and all that stuff. But Joe was a guy where of Thursday practice. Might be an hour and forty-five minutes, but it was full go Woody Low, man. It was you were trying to kill each other, um, and that's that's the way they did it. But you know, there's there is that kind of that juxtaposition of focus and you know and taking care of your business, and then also you you got to enjoy it, right? There's got to be moments of level levity that that um, you know that anyhow that you got to have and. And that's, you know, that's where I came into the equation. They got to have a moment of levity or two. And you and I had a really cool, or like a really cool experience at the Super Bowl. We were at the Super Bowl. Uh, gosh, I can't remember what Super Bowl was. It was several, like after the, at 19, 2019. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah we, we, were, we stopped. 2020 we were, was the last one we went to. Yeah, Miami. we were in my, well, we were in Miami. So this is, this is the 20, now this is the, this was the 2019 season. 2020. The 2020 Super. It was like so, literally like a month or two before COVID hit. So yeah, so we were there, and we were at our little table, and some guy walked up to me and you and said, "Thermometer." He goes like, "Thermometer, thermometer guy. guy." He goes, "I was a, I was a trainer for the Dolphins back in those days." <laughs> He's shaking his head like, <laughs> right. 
Still couldn't believe what he witnessed right. years later. So I don't know. Uh, about, ah, tell the story. Okay, I don't know. We're having fun. Story time so, with Stink. Yeah, gather round, everybody. So this is this was like this is what you do, right? These are the the downtime. So we get done with the practice. It's probably I don't know. It's either Wednesday or Thursday. We get done with the practice, and at the Miami Dolphins facility, they had it was in Davy at the time, but they had a walk-in cold tub and a walk-in hot tub. And, you know, you go in contrast bath, you know, back and forth, back and forth after practice, get your legs back, feeling good. And I'm in the hot tub just kind of floating around, and there's this <laughs> ginormous thermometer. It's like one of these, you know, it's a jacuzzi thermometer, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. It just And it's got the, the one end, you know, that's got like a almost a like a spherical shape, you know, it's, and then it just bobs in the thing. And so I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the hot tub, and... I tell an assistant trader for the Dolphins, I go, go get, go get Greek. He's our trainer, the head trainer. Steve, Steve Antonopoulos. Was great right, guy. Legend. Legendary yep. trainer. I said, go get Greeks. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. So I stand up on like the second step. So I'm only in my, the water is only to my ankles, right? And I'm butt <laughs> naked and I'm leaning up against the, the pole that you walk yourself down into the jacuzzi with. And Greek comes running in there and Everybody, like all the Miami Dolphins trainers are in there. Greek is in there. Jim Keller's in there. All the, you know, the assistant Broncos trainers. They're like, what's up? What's up? And I'm like leaning down and I'm just like, something's wrong with me, man. Something's wrong with me. I go, what is it? What is it? And I go, I, I don't know. I feel dizzy. I'm sick. I don't, like, I, I don't know what's going on here. And they go, just calm down, calm down, calm down. I go, I'm all right. I'm all right. I go, just do me a favor. I go, just check my temperature. And I turned around. And I had that 12-inch thermometer shoved up my ass, and I was at it pinched between my ass cheeks. <laughs> the whole room. The Greek was just like, you are a piece of like garbage, you know. And I fall back in the hot tub. I'm laughing. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. All the Miami guys, like, they're like, this team's built different. <laughs> we don't have anybody in our team like this. <laughs> so anyhow, it was like for me, it was the, like it's yeah, the funniest thing ever, yeah. right? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and that guy came up and he's just like thermometer guy. He goes, he did, <laughs> you know when we by name, he just went thermometer guy. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So you, like yeah. those, but those, have fun. Those times of levity, yeah. those are fun. It's great to be, you know, it's great to be part of a team. Um, and then I always used to tell my wife and kids, uh, you know, God bless them, and I love them, my parents and my in-laws and, and everybody who came to the Super Bowls. I was like, hey, listen, like Wednesday night, I'm yours. We'll have dinner. Da -da -da. Thursday night, I'm yours. We'll have dinner. After Thursday night, you're not going to see me again. Mm -hmm. Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those are those are my days to prepare. Um, and, like, I might go, hey, let's, let, like, on a Saturday, we have, we'll get downtown. I'll give you a couple hours on Saturday or whatever. But for the most part, I was just like, I am not here. This is not a vacation for me. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, hey, you guys treat it as a vacation. Good for you. You can have it. Like, that's great. But this is not a vacation for me. This is, like, I'm not coming here to lose a game. I am coming here to win. I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize that for my team. Um, and so that was always a big part of preparation. I'll tell you the other thing, preparation-wise with Super Bowl is Saturday. And, and, and Saturday, well, not Saturday, it's Sunday. Before the game, because you wait around all day long mm -hmm. to play the game, and one of the things, <laughs> one of the things I used to do was I used to, I always would sit down. I'd spend like on Saturday, 
I'd spend six, seven hours going through the game plan, and I would write down, because I'm, I'm more visual, I would write down everything that I wanted to do on any particular play against any defense. So, for instance, if we're running a 19 handoff, 19 handoff force, whatever the case may be, I would draw that picture, right? I would have the pictures. I would draw what my responsibility was. But then I would write down on every one of those, like, I want my first step to be here. I want my second step to be here. I want my hands on my second step is, you know, my foot over my ankle, over my knee in a linear progression. Once I hit that second step, I want my hands to be firing and hitting at the same time because that's where power comes from. When you want to take people off the ball, it's can you get your second step down in a fashion that I'm creating an upward force and energy. So my feet would sound like, right? And on that second one, that's where I'm making contact. And then, you know, to be an effective offensive lineman, it's really about creating leverage. You don't just come off the ball lower than the next guy. You've got to create the leverage. So you've got to work from a low to high plane. How do you do that? Well, it's about hand striking. So you don't strike out, you strike up. And so you've got to close that contact. And then you've got to be able to strike a guy up and take him through the ceiling or take him through the roof of the stadium. So all these things I would go through every single play. Well, you have to think about, hey, listen, man, I've got, let's say we've got 10 10 run plays in the game plan that we're going to try to execute. Well, you're executing those 10 run plays versus 10 different defenses, right? So now, you know, if you do the math, you know I'm not good at math, but that's 100 different plays. And I'm writing down every single step where I want my hat, my like where I want my head to hit, where I want my hands to hit, you know, and I go through and it take me six, seven hours to do that or six hours to do that on a Saturday. And then on Sunday, I actually moved because you got so much time to lay around, actually moved the furniture in my room and walk like did my own little walkthrough. I lathered myself up to where I was kind of sweaty, you know, um, just going through the steps and going through the potential plays and taking my pass sets and doing all that just to just because there was some anxiousness there right? because you're just laying around. There's all the things that you have to think about that you have to deal with. Um, to but get you yourself, can't burn yourself out. Can't burn That's yourself what you gotta out. That's you got to be careful about. Right, but it's just one of those things that, like, my biggest thought process as a player was um, I never want to have to think. I, as soon as you did something, I already, in, mm-hmm. in my mind, I already had – my steps down because you got to understand that, like, as from a from a offensive perspective, if you move six inches one way or another, it completely changes the completely changes the blocking schemes. You know, if you slide from a two technique to a one technique, now you know that that whole scheme changes. If you slide from a three to a four eye technique, it changes what you're doing. And you have to be able to know that in the middle of a cadence where they blue 80, blue 80 set, and you slide, well, our, everybody's responsibility changes. And everybody's got to see and be on that page together. So there's always that aspect of the game that, to me, the, the neck up aspect of what keeps you around and, and allows you to be successful for a long period of time. Well, we're going we're gonna to be diving into this matchup throughout the course of the week. But I don't know. Maybe it's not even worth playing the game. Once I stumbled across this statistic. So check this out. There will be a waxing crescent moon in the sky over Vegas okay. on the day of the Super the waxing Bowl. waxing is, okay, so waning is like if it's a full moon, right, and it 
wanes down to a crescent, it's going away. But if it's a waxing moon, that means it's gone to as small as it is, and now it's gaining back is the waxing. Is that right? I have no idea if we have any. If that's correct. That we're getting the thumbs up. Matt's okay. give me the thumbs up. All, All right. right. I, I, I didn't know if we are going to have to reach out to any lunar. 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 NASA. 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 Come in, NASA. Any lunar experts watching the podcast yeah. that would need right. to. But apparently, okay, so there will be a waxing crescent moon in the sky on the day of the Super Bowl. Kansas City is 19-1 and in the last five years when playing under this phase of the moon. So you're done, San Francisco. You're done. Does San Francisco have any moon lunar activity counters to that? How do you how do you how do you combat the moon? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it affects the tides. I don't I don't I don't, I don't know. So anyway, we'll get into the matchup here as we uh, as we move along, but uh, as we as we sit here on a a Monday, we're we're uh-huh. we're doing this. As we sit here on a Monday, just kind of your overall first impressions of this of this matchup and and who you like and why. Well, I mean, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I mean, I, I feel like Kansas City is the last two weeks in the playoffs. They've played probably the best football they've played collectively as a team over the last two weeks. And and I would also say that in the last two weeks, San Francisco has collectively played the worst they've played. Um, And so, like, right off the bat, as much as I like San Francisco as a football team, defensively, like, their D-line has dominated over the the course of the season. Their I think their D-line has been non-existent through two playoff games. I thought they've been manhandled in both playoff games. I thought the opponents have captured the edge in the run game. In, in both playoff games. And I think there are some serious issues in their back end with injuries. You know, they've lost a few guys. They've got a few guys that um, that I think are liabil- liability and coverage, especially if you get into zebra or, or three wides situations. So, you know, Kansas City and Andy Reid will see that and obviously attack that. So there's, there's, some, there's some fear for me because, you know, I'm one, I live in Denver, so I can't root for Kansas City. And two... You know, Kyle Shanahan, I've known since he was 14. Yep. So I've got to be a 49er fan. Mm -hmm. But if you just asked me my initial, who do you think is going to win? Like, literally the first, who I think is going to win? I think Kansas City is going to win. I will give you, as we move on through the week, I'll give you a million different reasons why San Francisco will win this game. But ultimately, um, there's gonna be there's gonna have to be a lot of things that align for San Francisco, and, and they've been they've been the best team like they've been the best team all season long, but they have not played great football. I, I will say this though, Brock Purdy, a guy that you know people have talked about as being a system quarterback and all that kind of stuff, the last two weeks he has loaded that team on his shoulders through not only through the air but with his ability to scramble, and and willed them to two to two wins in the playoffs. Do I think he can do that again against Kansas City? Like, if you're San Francisco, you don't want to find out. Mm-hmm. Like, you want your stuff to work. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, even though it's Super Bowl week, the uh, business of the NFL marches on. There's there's still news and stuff happening. And 
Interesting. Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. looked like he was ticketed for Vegas for their offensive coordinator position. Last minute, things change. He pulls out of that deal, ends up going to Washington. He's now the OC of the Commanders. Right. He was with Southern Cal last year, USC, immediately starting to create speculation that this is uh, some uh, a package deal with Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams. Caleb from USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was working at USC. Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. Is this one of those things where Caleb Williams is going to tell Chicago, don't draft me? Right. I'm not going to pull an Eli Manning or a John Elway. Yeah. Don't draft me. I, I, I want to play for Washington. Yeah, I was going to say there's precedent to this, yeah, right? Yeah, there is. Well, does he have anywhere else to go? He's already declared for the draft. Uh, no, he's got nowhere else to go. Yeah, nowhere else. To go. But, but but Eli didn't have anywhere else to go either, right? Right. You don't want to malcontent. I mean, I guess you, you can. Right, you can still draft. Them. You could force them, but ultimately, do you want to do that? I think you have to ask yourself a couple questions in Chicago's place. One is, how committed are you to Justin Fields? And and I would tell you, having done several Chicago games, um, no inside information here, just my being around that team. What my gut says is that team's moving on and, and drafting a quarterback, and Caleb is their guy. So that would be my general consensus. Now, with that said... If Washington is going to offer you a king's ransom to move from, you know, two to one, two to one yeah. like you think about the number of draft picks and the number of cap space you're going to be able to create, and if your evaluation says, for instance, um, Drake May is, in our estimation, every bit the drop back guy that Caleb Williams is then sure, we'll make that trade. Or it could end up being the Justin Fields stays in Chicago lifeline that maybe some Bears fans would like to see. If Caleb Williams is determined to play for right. D.C., then you trade with Washington, you accumulate more, all with the idea of building right. more around Justin Fields. I think the thing, uh, there's a couple of factors for, for Justin Fields that that I think you have to think about as as – an organization one I think you have to think all right is his style of football sustainable has he gotten better throwing the ball absolutely um his maturity like just talking to him this season I've really I've really kind of grown into a Justin Fields fan that said is do I think that that guy is ready to operate in a drop back system no what makes him good what makes him good is his athleticism and his ability to run the ball and what it does for his passing game and opening up and getting the one-on-ones, you know, throw deep down. He he told me point blank, I think the best part of my game is the deep ball. Well, you know, I get that. You got to get one-on-ones to do that. So how do you do that? Well, you got to run the football and you got to be in, you know, heavier formations and you got to threaten the edge with and, and capture the perimeter of a defense with your quarterback and all those things to get those looks mm-hmm. that you want that you throw well. Um, but do I think he's a drop-back guy? Listen, whether it's defensive coordinators facing the Chicago Bears or defensive coordinators facing Lamar Jackson, they'll both tell you the same thing. What we want to do is make that guy be a pocket passer because we think we can have, we think we can affect the game. We think we can turn him over. We think we can have more success if we make him try to beat us out of the pocket. So, so ultimately, they say if we can take away the run game, like we don't think that guy 
is skilled enough to beat us in that scenario. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing you have to say is, are you willing to commit $150 million to, to a quarterback that you don't know is sustainable in that style of offense? And, you know, I look at those factors. Those are real factors. And I look at those and think, well, if I'm the general manager, what do I do? Well, would I move on? Probably. Because I don't think I don't think you win world championships. I don't think you can sustain as a world championship team operating your quarterback from that from that style. Until hey, until it happens and it happens consistently. Yep. I'm not talking about an outlier. Right. It's never happened. It's never happened. So I'm just saying I don't want to be the the I mean, I'd like to be the outlier, but I don't I don't want to count on being the outlier. Not right. looking to be the trailblazer, right? right? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to know. I want right. to know what's tried and true, right? Well, if, if you listen to Jim Harbaugh, we shouldn't be talking about Caleb Williams or Drake May or yeah. Jaden Daniels or any of these quarterbacks when it comes to drafting, because the best one, according to Jim Harbaugh, is JJ McCarthy. Right. He went on with Colin Cowherd and said, "In my opinion, when it's all said and done, and all the teams who are looking at quarterbacks have a chance to meet with." and get a chance to really dive into J.J. McCarthy, that he'll be the first quarterback that comes off the board. Mm -hmm. So is this just simply a case of Jim Harbaugh just looking out for and pumping up the guy that was such an integral part of him winning at Michigan? Or should we maybe look at J.J. McCarthy a little bit different than we were before? Uh, I think that, I think that one, you would have to, you would have to take, like Jim has had success with every quarterback that's that's played for him, and you know I I did an event with Jim, right as he signed to be the San Francisco 49ers head coach, and so I said, well, what are you going to do at quarterback? And Jim's like, well, I got my quarterback. Alex Smith is freaking phenomenal, and you know I'm I'm like roll my eyes because at that time they were ready to kick him to the curb. Yeah. And he goes, you know, the only thing that, that Alex Smith hasn't had is somebody who believes in him. I believe in him. I, I broke down the film. This guy can be great. He could be great. And, you know, I kind of roll my eyes and go, okay, what, you know, I mean, that's coach speak, whatever. But sure enough, man, he got a hold of Alex Smith, and Alex Smith, the, the trajectory of his career changed. And so I would say that, like, if I was, if I was, you know, a scout or a general manager or whatever, it would definitely pique my interest. And it would require me to go back and reevaluate and relook at everything that that I looked at. One of the things he said, I can't remember the exact phraseology, was about his um, his oh repeating re repetitive. Uh, you wrote it down in your handy dandy notebook. I, know, I didn't bring my handy dandy oh, okay. notebook with me. We'll do that on the next podcast. But it was it, it was about his like his almost Brady like obsession with repeating the mundane. repetition yeah something with re repetition well it was about it is about his ability to do the boring stuff over right. and over right. and over again with uh with this enthusiastic like repetition whatever it was whatever the words were but you get the you get the point is it's it's like when i was talking to um i was talking to Bruce Arians and um, and Byron Leftwich about Tom Brady, <clears throat> and they they both said the same thing about Tom Brady, his unrelenting, just unrelenting ability 
to never deviate from where the play is supposed to go. So if the first read in the progression is a five-yard flat and it's open, he's Brady. both of them said Brady will throw it 100 of 100 times, and he will never deviate from that. Where a lot of quarterbacks will turn it down and say, well, let me see what the, you know, if it's a curl-flat combo, say, let me look what the curl's doing. And all of a sudden the curl's covered, so you try to get back to the flat, and guess what? By the time you get back to the flat, the guy's out of bounds. Or you can't complete it anymore. And so he's got this this unbelievable ability to take the boring and embrace it. And so I would want to go back and look at J.J. McCarthy and go, let me see what I see. Maybe I didn't evaluate him correctly. Um, you know, with and also understanding the subterfuge that is part of yep. the NFL draft and all that stuff and say, okay, is this real or is this just somebody that's, you know, blowing smoke? Well, if, if he believes that strongly – you know, maybe trade Justin Herbert and get a King's Ransom in return for him and go get J.J. McCarthy. If you love him that much, why don't you marry him? <laughs> I know. Childhood. <laughs> if you love him that much, why don't you marry him? You know, that kind of thing. But Yeah, put a ring on it. Put a ring on yeah, it. Yeah, do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he I, – I think he loves him, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like you love your cousin. Uh-huh. But – but you don't marry your cousin unless you're in certain parts. Of the okay, you okay. might want to stop right there. <laughs> okay, you know who you are. Okay, you know who you All right. are. We're not. We're, right. We're not. We're not in the jacuzzi with the thermometer. Okay, <laughs> right. we got a different different audience. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, hey, that's gonna do it for us. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth podcast, Super Bowl week is upon us. I can say Super Bowl. I don't have to say the big game because I've won three of them and I dominated. Um, anyhow, for Mike, I am Mark. Subscribe, hang out, do your thing. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy. We're back with you later in the week. I'll be live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. So that'll be fun. See if we can make that work on Wednesday. How about that? We will. Okay. We're done.